Amen. So we're in our, our series talking about the church, and one of the things that we're going to be getting into tonight is a, a fundamental truth that the church is built on, one of them. Now, the essentials of the truth are um, who God is and that God is our Savior and how God saved us and what's going to entail in the future. But here in 1 Timothy 3.15, notice what Paul says. He said, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Now, before we move forward, there's a couple of things I want to point out in here. In, in this, this, this uh, verse, we're going to be using a lot in this series. Now, notice a couple of things in this verse I want to point out. Number one, how you should behave. The, the Apostle Paul is directly telling you it is important how you behave. Do you know that holiness is not a, a, a sticker that you get from God for being a good boy or a good girl? Holiness is not an, a, a, a gold star because you were above and, and beyond everybody else. Holiness is a requirement. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord, according to Hebrews. So we're, we're talking about this is important stuff. There's no holy Christian and, 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 and then subservient worldly Christian. We, if, if we're of God, we need to be moving in the direction of being more godly every day, every opportunity, because if you get into that place of surrender, God's going to do a work in you. If you live a surrendered life, God will cultivate you to grow closer to him. And, and so one of the things that we want to point out is the Apostle Paul saying, look, just so I'm writing this so you know how you should behave, Right? How you should behave, that's how you live. How you live. Behavior is something that is taught and is born out through your actions. Something taught, born out through actions. You, um, but notice what he says here also. How to behave thyself. Can I get a witness on this? Look, he said, this is how you need to behave. I'm telling you, so you know how to behave thyself. In other words, I'm not telling you this so you can look at your neighbor and be like, uh-huh, you need to hear that about not lying. Now, maybe they do, right? But let the Lord minister it. You know, I remember whenever I first got saved, though, man, you couldn't stop me from coming to church. I didn't rain, sleet, or snow. I, I'm coming. I'm coming early. I'm going to be the first one there. You're going to have to kick me out. Because I found a new home. And, and, and look, this is one of the things that I, I, but I remember, I mean, and I'll tell you, man, I remember I would sit through some of those sermons and pre the preacher would be preaching about, you know, you need to stop living for yourself. You know, it's a crucified life. You need to live for God. And I mean, this be going on and I'd be thinking, oh, man, if so-and-so was here, oh, they need to hear that. Oh, because they're so selfish, you know. What was I doing? I was thinking of others and not myself, right? I need to work, work on me. I need to be subservient to God's will and to his word and let his spirit do all that he needs to do in me. And look, you will never arrive. 
you will always till your last breath need the cultivating work and influence of the Holy Ghost in your life. You never get to a point where you've attained and you take your foot off the gas pedal. That's not how Christianity works. Christianity is about surrender and a crucified life. And as long as your flesh is alive, it will fight back. So you have to fight through the spirit in surrender and crucified flesh. And when you do, the spirit will win the battle. So it, we see that in Galatians, right? So notice, behave thyself. Ooh, we like to look at others. Oh, if so-and-so was here, man, they would, they would be so convicted. Yes, that's right, that's right. Pa pass it on, right? <laughs> pass the baton to somebody else. But we need to make sure that we're internalizing what God's saying. And you know what? You may, you may hear a message on the text that you've read. Maybe you've studied, maybe you've preached it. Maybe you wrote a whole uh, theological essay on it. Maybe you have. But every time you come in, in the house of God, in a service for God where it's consecrated, where God is exalted, where that anointing is there, there's going to be a fresh, there's going to be a fresh move of God on that word because the word is living. And so we are living. And, and as you go to the Lord, the Lord's going to minister to you in new ways every day. Paul never preached that he attained. He preached he was striving forward. He said, I'm forgetting those things behind and I'm striving forward. And that's how we're called to live our Christian lives. But when we're, when we're too busy looking at, at them instead of ourselves, we have put ourselves on a pedestal saying we've attained where they're not. You see what I'm saying? So um, that, and you know what, is, as long as they're not in sin, right, because that's a whole nother, which we'll probably get into that next week. As long as they're not in sin, right, let the Lord deal with them. Let the Lord work on them. Let the Lord work through the preaching of the message or teaching or through their Bible study and prayer. It, give them those encouraging words. But you know what, if they're in sin, we have an obligation to help them out, Amen. Right? Say, hey, I don't know if you know this or not, but you got a problem right there. I love you. So we're going to get into that uh, next time. But um, there's ways to do it and ways not to do it. But anyways, what we want to see here is that Paul's writing this so that we know how to behave ourselves where? In the house of God. That's what it says, in the house of God. That's talking about a specific place. So now we're talking about biblical order. Now we're talking about how we're supposed to interact with each other, how we're supposed to approach God, what's supposed to go on when people of God get together and how we're supposed to relate to one another. And you know what? There's even more because when you're involved in a church like that, there's going to be people that come in that aren't right with the Lord. And how we respond to them is a reflection on how we receive from God. You see that? How, how we treat others is a reflection on how our walk is with God. If, if we are uh, down on others, right, or too high on others, but how we do that is important. And, and it's, 
that the church of the living God, right? The pillar and ground of truth. So truth has to come from the church. Jesus said he's the truth. He didn't say I know the truth. He said he is the truth. And if Jesus is the truth, we have the truth. The truth, it says the truth will make you free. Now, let me ask you a question. What does the truth make you free from? Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. What does the truth make you free from? It makes you free from sin, makes you free from self, makes you free from the control of the world, makes you free from the manipulation of the satanic world out there, doesn't it? The spirit of the world, the spirit of the age is pressing upon each one of us. I'm offended. I'm offended right now. Okay. And, right? Because we're not supposed to be offended. So what's the, there's the spirit of the world out there that's pressing on every single person. And what's important is when we know the truth, it severs the control that the world has on you. Once you know that, look, it's not about you having a better mindset. It's about you being a new creation in Christ. You, you can have a good mindset, but a rotten heart. And a good mindset's not going to help you out. You can have a good mindset and, 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 and not have any power in your life at all. That's, you know, the, the light on, but nobody home. You only have the power when you are a new creation in Christ and you have the 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 Holy Ghost working through you. That's it. It's not about saying, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. It's that Jesus can, Jesus can, Jesus can. And it's when the Spirit baptizes you and empowers you to do what he's called you to do. Until we receive that Spirit baptism, we're not equipped. We're not equipped to properly do. And it, we've got to stay subservient or su submitted or surrendered to that. Do you see that? So it is the truth. If you uh, have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. It is um, the truth of God that makes us free from the spirit of the world. And I, probably one of the best um, examples of how to run opposite of that. You see here in, in Luke chapter 6, we're going to pick up on the golden rule. How many of y'all remember the golden rule? You know why it's the golden rule? Because it's the opposite of the world. It's the opposite of the world. And when you know that, it'll make you free from the bondage of the world. Because the world, in the world system, it is what you give to me, I'm going to give back to you. Right? You, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Oh, you forget about me? Oh, don't worry, buddy, I'm going to forget about you. This is the world. This is how the world operates. This is why the world eats people up and spits people out because you will never please the spirit of this age, the spirit of this world. It is a consuming world. It will, it will kill every single thing that it gets its hands on. So uh, Luke chapter 6, we'll begin in verse, uh, let's start in verse 31. This is uh, Luke's take on that golden rule. said, and as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. That's the golden rule. How you want people to treat you, you should treat them. 
You, you want friends? Show yourself friendly, right? You want, you want people to forgive you? Maybe you should start being a little bit more forgiving. You want people to be patient with you? Maybe you should start being a little bit more patient. You want people to be more understanding of your situation? Maybe you shouldn't cut them off. Be a little bit more understanding of where they're coming from, right? And so this, this golden rule, and he, he's going to continue in this, verse 32 for if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. What, what good is it if you only love those that love you? The Lord is saying, you want somebody to clap for you? That's how I would say it, right? He said, what thank have ye? But I would, but I would say... You love somebody that loves you. You want us to clap for you for that? Because even, even you go out to a bar out there, you go out to a club, you, love, you, you give somebody $20, they're going to love you back. Right? You go do, you, what thing have you? What, what big deal is it if you love somebody that loves you? That's what the world does. That's how the world operates. The world operates. You give me, I give you. But the, the truth of God is you should treat others the way you should want to be treated. You should do unto others the way you want them to do unto you. Well, what if they don't do anything back? That's not part of the verse. What if they don't love me back? What if they're not patient with me? What if they're not friendly to me? What if they're not loving towards me? What if they're, you know, what if they don't, what if they don't return the favor? That's not part of the verse. Amen. The verse says, this is for you. Again, I'm tying this into thyself back there in Timothy 3. Right? How you should behave thyself. This is about you. This is about you having a right heart with God and with men. And so he's saying, look, you, how you want other people to treat you, you should treat them. The, the carnal-minded person says, but what if they don't do that back to me? That's God's territory. This is how God works on people. This is how you start standing out from the crowd. This is how you start separating yourself from the way that the world works. This is how you start putting a difference between you and the world because you're operating in a different system by a different spirit according to a different power. You, you, you want to act, look like, treat people just like the, they act, look like, and treat you? No different than them. But once you begin operating by the spirit, by this truth that's higher than this world spirit, you're beginning to set yourself up on a different standard. So now you're starting to put a separation between you and the world because you're operating by a, high, a higher power in you. That's the spirit of God working through the word of God in you. And this is how, this is all part of how you should behave thyself. Yeah, I'm, see, when I'm doing this, I'm not worried about nobody else. I'm not worried about what Aunt, Aunt Jojo did to me. I'm not worried about what my neighbor took from me. If I'm treating others the way I want to be treated, my eye is looking at my heart unto God and how I want the world to be. Well, what if they never return my lawnmower? What if they never return my rake? Right? So let's continue in this. We're going to go a couple more verses in this. In verse uh, 
33. So there, there's three things that he's going to hit on on here. There's three things that the Lord's going to hit on. Number one was love. Second one is good. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do even the same, right? You stop and help somebody because they stop and helped you, and you want somebody to get a hand clap for you, right? Is it that, that this is um, such a big issue, right? Such a big issue. When, when we want all the accolades for doing the very thing that the world does, right? What's the, what is the problem? What's the problem with that? Because if we are allowing the Spirit of God to lead us, we're going to be operating a different way than the world operates. God never called you to be world light. He called you to be the light in the world. He never called you to be diet world. He never called you to be a sanitized version of the world. He called you to stand out like children of light, to stand out in a dark world, to bring that word of life to people that are in dead and dying situations. So if we just expect the church to be a sanitized country club version of the world, we've got the wrong mindset. We've missed the mark. God's called us to, to be in stark opposition to the world. It's the spirit of God in us. And when we are subservient and submitted to that spirit, He's going to cause us to do things exactly like Jesus said, to love those, right, that don't love us and do good to those that aren't good to us, right? And let's look at this next one. It's talking about lending. Hold on to my wallet. Hang on. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners, to receive as much again. Now that one hits some people right square between the eyes. <laughs> if the only time you give somebody $20 is if you know you're going to get that $20 back, the Lord is saying you're operating by the spirit of the world. You're not having your mind on spiritual things. It's, that's a big one. Some, some of us... I know, I know people like that. I would never give $20 to that guy because I know I'll never get it back. Well, yeah, that's, that's the way the world operates. That is exactly how the world operates. But the response from the Lord is amazing. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend those are those three things he hit love do good and lend love your enemies do good and lend hoping for nothing again and your reward shall be great and you shall be the children of the highest for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil look Watch this. God calls you to love your enemies. God calls you to, if you're a Republican, God calls you to love Democrats. If you're a Democrat, God calls you to love Republicans. Well, they don't like, they don't like the things I like. Well, yeah, that's the way the world works. You're supposed to be a child of God, not a child of the devil. 
we, we got to see things from the heavenly perspective. Well, you know, they, they like, you know, the uh, saints and we like the cowboys. I would never eat with them, right? You know how silly we can get about stuff like that? How silly can we get? We can get real silly, can't we? But look, the Lord has called us, and I'm using that as an illustration, but you get it harder on the political because our country's so divided right now. But you know, even if you look at a, an issue like abortion, like we are strongly pro-life, but you know what? We're called to love those that aren't. They're enemies. They're enemies of the gospel. They're enemies of, of innocent children. But are we called to cut their head off? What are we hoping? Are we hoping for their demise? Are we hoping to change their life through the gospel? How do we do that except that we be obedient to God and let the Spirit of God work through us into their lives? And how do we do that? By sharing the love of God. The love that we received at Calvary, right? The love that we received at Calvary, extending it to those that are what we consider enemies. That now, now we're not operating by the world. We're not operating by that system. We're going a step above, which is on that spiritual place where the Spirit of God can use you to work into people's lives. Now you've kind of got your head out of the sand. Now you've put yourself in a position where God can use you. But as long as you are operating by the way the world operates, you're going to treat people the way they treat you. You've got to... And, and, what that shows you and what that shows me is when I'm doing that, I'm not living a crucified life. It shows me that I'm picking myself up off that altar. You know, the Bible says we're supposed to present ourselves a living sacrifice to God, right? Holy, holy and acceptable. But we're supposed to put ourselves, the living sacrifice means every day you're alive, you're supposed to give yourself back to God. Lord, here I am submitted surrender to you use me fill me god and help me to do all that you call me to do and when but when i begin to operate the way the world operates that should that should tell me that i have not done that that i have not done that some of us maybe never have and and you wonder why the spirit's not using you but we've got to get into that place where we, where we, as a habit, as a habitation, as that we, as that secret place, as that's our, that's where we dwell, dwell in that secret place. Go back to that place where we give all, where we surrender all, and where we stay on those altars for God. Then we'll begin to, we'll begin to operate in that spirit place, in that spirit realm. So a lot of times, you know, when somebody does us wrong, we want to do them wrong. That's our flesh. And when you're being ruled by your flesh, it shows that you're not crucified to the Lord. Oh, you do that to me, buddy. I'm going to do it to you and more. You twist the knife in my back, I'm going to get you with a machete. right? That's, that's how flesh operates. You, oh, you, you, you didn't like my post on Facebook. I'm going to delete you. 
I mean, we, the flesh is, is, is fickle. It's really fickle. And when we, when we sense that in our lives, we have to remember, you know what? God has a better way for us. The way of surrender is the way to power. The way of surrender is the way to find victory. You're never going to find victory as long as you're allowing your flesh to rule over you. You will never walk in the victory and the power of God while your flesh is ruling you. It's only in the place where we lay our flesh down that we find victory in Jesus. Some people heard a minister say, they're cross-eyed and he's not talking about that cross he said they got one eye on the on the lord and one eye on the world cross-eyed he said you can't go nowhere you can't do nothing when you're cross-eyed you got one foot in the church and one foot in the world you cross-eyed cross-living amen yeah our, our world talks about cross-dressers and stuff like that these days we we've always had those people that have one foot in the in the hot and one foot in the cold what is that that's called lukewarm and jesus said those that are lukewarm he's going to spew out of his mouth and we wonder we wonder why the things of the spirit aren't moving forward in our lives why we don't feel the power of god in our lives while we're going through this mountain again while we're going through this again right is just God is, is, is not going to be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, he's going to reap. And if you will give God your all, you're going to get more than you can handle from the Spirit of God. But you don't give God your all. And see, God's all or nothing. God's not going to bless a half a heart. Not, not with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost isn't going to fill a half a heart. So what is it? See, it's, it's all or nothing until we're in that place where we're all in. We're not ready. But once we're all in, God is ready, willing, and able. Ready, willing, and able. God hasn't run out. God hasn't run out of victory. God hasn't run out of power. God hasn't run out of joy. He hasn't run out of peace. He hasn't run out of the Holy Ghost. He hasn't run out. Victory is still attainable for you and for me. But it'll never happen if we're not surrendered. If our flesh is not crucified. It's, uh, it's something right there. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. So if you ever get a chance to go preach in Washington, D.C., there you go. Preach that one. Love your enemies. And look, and do good and lend, hoping nothing, hoping for nothing again. How many people could actually say that? That's a tough one. Here's $20, and I hope you don't pay me back. What? If I say that, they're going to take advantage of me. Well, don't people take advantage of God? You want to be a child of the Most High? Maybe, maybe we should be willing to be taken advantage of from time to time. Here's $20. Hope you don't return it. That's a tough one. That's what he says, though. Hoping for nothing. You might say, well, that word hope doesn't really mean hope. Nothing really doesn't mean nothing, okay? We're going to play semantics, okay? Hoping for nothing again. 
You, you, you go to some people, I know some people that, man, you would, uh, I, I knew somebody, you would borrow their lawnmower or something like that. Man, if you didn't return it back full, completely clean, like, then you start a World War Three. And if you, if you borrowed a dollar, you better bring a dollar and at least a nickel back. That interest will get you. But, you know, some people are like that. But aren't you glad God's not like that with you? Because how many good things has God given you that we haven't, look, given back to God? God's been good to us. God's been good to us. There's things in our life that we haven't given fully to God yet. Some of us, you know, we, we, we get so carnally minded. We live in a bubble in our nation, but some of us have a roof over our head. And most Christians don't. And yet we won't allow God to use our home however he sees fit. Maybe for a Bible study, maybe to invite somebody over for this, that, or the other. Right? Oh, this is mine. I go to church, but this is mine. <laughs> Everything you have came from God. And so we've got to be willing to return it to God. Amen. Otherwise, you know, this kind of goes in that parable, you know, that Jesus talked about the guy that had the debt. He couldn't pay it. So the guy, you know, is going to put him in prison. Oh, have mercy on me. Okay, I'll have mercy on you. So he goes and he finds somebody with a smaller debt to him and he chokes him and throws him in prison. See, that's how we do. God's given us everything, but we're not ready to give it back. Yet, yet, when we give somebody $20, every time we see them, we're just, and if they don't give it to us, we go, we go tell, you know, somebody, yeah, I saw them, and they know I saw them, and they, I know they know I, they owe me $20, $20 back. I know they know I know that. And they walked right past me. They tried to hurry up around the corner, but I made sure they saw me. I'm watching them. I, I'm, they're not going to get it. They're going to give me that $20 back. You know, that's how we are. Aren't you glad that the Lord's not like that with you? And yet we want to be called children of the Most High when we act like children of the devil. This is the way the devil operates. It's the way the devil operates. And so, we, but we want to be called children. Of, I'm child of the most high. Now give me my $20 back. So we're called to love our enemies. Do good, right? Do good to those that what? The inference is to those that don't do good to you. I will never do that for them because I know they'll never do it for me. The... Where does that kind of mindset come from? That's birthed in the flesh. That's a devil mindset. I will never be nice to them because I know, you know what? They've never been nice to me. I've been knowing them for 15 years and they've never been nice to me. I am never going to be nice to them. I'm never going to invite them to lunch. I'm never going to ask them over. I'm never going to ask them for coffee. I'm never going to smile at them. Never going to even act like I like them outside of church. Inside church, I'm going to act like I love them, but, you know, 
outside of church. I ain't never going to call them, never going to invite them up because they've never been good to me. So I'm never going to be good to them. You see what he's saying? Love your enemies. That's the hard one. Can you think of somebody that's done you really wrong that you would consider an enemy? Can you imagine that God tells you to love them? That, that releases their power over you. Let it go. Give them to God. Amen. Don't harbor that bitterness. Bitterness is like swallowing a sword. Let it go. Give them to the Lord. Why? For their good. Don't harbor it against them. Forgive. Love them. Right? And then what? Do good to those that don't do good to you. And lend, right? And don't hope for anything again. That's powerful. Now watch this. Let's continue this through. If you do that, your reward will be great. Your reward on earth or in heaven? I'll tell you both. I'll tell you both. Your reward on earth is not carnal. It's spiritual. God will be with you. God will be with you. God will empower you. God will, God will always make sure, even if he's got to take you out by the river and feed you by ravens, God will make sure you've got what you need. You give yourself to God. God's not a derelict father. He's going to take care of you. Some way, some form, some fashion, some way or the other, God's got you. You're his child. He may have to call you home. He may have to feed you by ravens. He may have to, you know, multiply dough like he did for the widow. He'll do something somehow for his people. He's a good God. A reward. And look, and the world rewards not only here and now, but it's eternal. It's an eternal reward. And look at the, look, watch this next part. And you shall be children of the, most, of the highest, for he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Who's God kind to? Unthankfulness. You ever been to somebody? Like, I know if you have kids. I remember growing up, you know, hearing from parents, right? Y'all are ungrateful. Ungrateful kids. But that's who God is kind to. What is un- unthankfulness is, is ingratitude. It's people who care less. People who, who don't care, who are unresponsive, unmoved by the overture of God's love at Calvary. Unthankfulness is people who are bored to tears with the story of Christ crucified and resurrected. How? How's this? God was kind when you're unthankful and when you're an enemy. Did you know that we were all enemies of God? You either are or were an enemy of God. If you you are a child of Adam, if you are a child of Adam, you either are or were an enemy of God. You either are or were on the wrong team. Let me show you in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. So you woke up 
on the wrong side of the tracks. You got to figure out how to get to the other side, but you can't. The Bible says we were dead in our sins and trespasses in Ephesians chapter 2. You ever seen a, uh, you know, you, you, you never seen anybody help themselves, right? You heard that old saying, the Lord helps those that helps themselves. No, it's God that works on people and they respond to God, right? We respond to God. We say yes to Jesus. I love that song. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. All that you have, Lord. Yes and amen. Let it be done in Jesus name. But it's, it's responding to God. That's the only way somebody goes from an enemy to a friend, from, from, from a, a child of the devil to a child of the king. It's the only way somebody goes from darkness to light. Watch this in Romans 5, verse 11. It says, well, let's look at verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son and much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by his son. And now that we're reconciled, we're children of God. See, we were enemies and God did the reconciling. God did all the work. It's one of my favorite verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God did all the work. He went to Calvary for you. God came down to this earth. We're about to get into to Christmas, uh, Advent, right? That's, that Advent means when Christ visited earth, when, when the Lord of glory became a child, born of a virgin, a babe in a manger, and lived a sinless, perfect, holy, righteous life in every step, in every way, pleasing God at all times. No one else has God ever said, that's my son in whom I'm well pleased, and he gave himself willingly on the cross. He said, if I give myself, if I die, I will raise it up again. And after three days, right, he rose up again. The Bible says that through that work, through that atoning work on the cross, he brought reconciliation to you and to me. For, from that, from that point, if you receive God's work at Calvary, God says, though you were an enemy, I'll make you my child. See, that's nothing that you did. God brought you into his family by you receiving what he did for you. He was kind to you by giving you the blood of himself. He didn't rent you. He bought you with his own blood. And through that reconciliation, through that reconciling work on Calvary, right? If you say, yes, Lord, he moves you from the enemy's camp to his family. He takes you through the blood and cleanses your filthy garments and you come out white as snow, a child of God. 
And you know what's so amazing about God? When, when now, now you don't fit in in the world. Now you're a child of God. Now you don't fit in in the world. And God never calls you or requires you to live and operate and, and, and work in the world in your own strength. He said if you tarry, he will, in, he will give you power. You will be endued with power from on high. God not only does the work at Calvary, but he also does the work at Pentecost. Some of us, you're right, we receive that reconciliation, but we don't, we try to operate in our own strength, but we don't fit in. You can't do it in your own strength. Now watch this. The, 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 those of us that were enemies, right, we, look, we didn't do anything to get changed over. We just said, yes, Lord. He did all the work. He drug us. He cleaned, he cleaned us through the blood of the lamb. As John the Baptist said, behold the lamb, right, the lamb of God. Woo, takes away the sin of the world. Oh, that's, that's what he did. He brought us from the enemy's camp. And, but we look at things completely different. The Lord looked at Calvary as a way to bring people into reconciliation. This is the way a, a child of the king will look at others. You see somebody that's, that's not right with God, you need to try to bring them to the cross. That's the only way. Look, you can tie somebody's hand behind their back so they don't steal no more, but it's still in the heart. It's only when they get brought to Calvary and receive Christ that they get a new nature, that they get a new heart, that they get changed. It's not about getting new behaviors. It's not about modifying people. It's not about putting duct tape so they, can, so they can't curse no more. That's never going to work because it's in the heart. That's what Jesus said. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The, the murders, the, the theft, all these covetousness, lust, it, it's birthed in the heart. And the only way that can be changed is by the blood of the lamb. So when we look at others and we say, oh, they're on the wrong side of the tracks. They're a child of the devil. Oh, they're rotten. They're sorry. They're, they're an enemy to me. We should, if we're a child of God, love them, be good to them, lend to them, right? Hoping what? To bring them to the cross, to bring them to Calvary so that they can see what we saw because we once were blind and then God opened our eyes. We should want those that we deem as enemies to have their eyes opened as well to receive forgiveness of sin as well, right? Then what are we doing? We're loving enemies. Why? Because we just like to love people that don't love it. No, because we're a child of the king. We're allowing the spirit to work through us so that he can bring others into reconciliation with himself. You see, somewhere, sometime, you heard the gospel through somebody that made it through. You, somebody prayed for you and somebody preached to you. You didn't, you didn't do it on your own. Somebody prayed for you, somebody preached to you, and the Spirit worked in you. Now watch this. If that's true, why can't God use you to preach to others? You know why? You know why God doesn't use us to preach to others? When God doesn't use us, it's because we're operating on the level that the world operates. We're not loving our enemies. We're not loving those that are outside the fold of God. 
we're having an us for no more mindset. Or even if we do look on others, we say, you need to put some duct tape on that mouth. I hear too much cursing. Well, look, if they're not right with God, they can't help it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. They got sin in the heart. It's going to come out. You put duct tape on it all you want. But if sin's in the heart, it's going to come out. That's why, people, you know, people say, ah, I'm just trying to bite my lip in church. I'm just scared I'm going to say something I shouldn't say. Well, maybe you shouldn't have it in your heart. Because, you know what? The Lord sees through that I'm just biting my lip stuff. The Lord sees the heart of men. So we could say, I was just going, I'm, I'm going to bite my lips so that I don't say something I shouldn't. I, oh, I shouldn't have thought that. The, you think the Lord doesn't see that? You think the Lord doesn't hear it? Who are we fooling? We're fooling ourselves, right? So let's, let's, let's stop operating on that level that the world operates on and, and allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, right, to do as he desires so that we can be a child of the highest. Amen. You, you got a high calling on your life. You know what that high calling is? That high calling on your life is that God can use you to reach others. Well, what if they don't respond? That's not your department. That's not your department. Your department is not to get a response. Your department is to be a vessel for God. Your department is to be a vessel that God can use, holy, consecrated, set apart for God's kingdom, for God's glory, for God's purposes. He may use you, he may not, but he's going to get a witness out of you. That's the mindset. Now, it's an amazing thing, this unthankfulness. You know what? How sad is it? I'm, I'm, I'm going to get somewhere. How, how sad is it that we could move from the enemy's camp to the family of God? You get that? From the enemy's camp to the family of God. How is it that we could get there and be an unthankful people? Do you, do you know Christians that are unthankful? Maybe there's times that we've been unthankful. And how sad is it that, that we could literally, right, when we couldn't do anything to help ourselves, you realize there's no ladder you could climb to get the debt of sin off your back. There's nothing you could do, but God had mercy. He was kind to you when he didn't have to be. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And, and, and so yet God's moved us from the camp of the enemy to his family just because we said yes, just because we surrendered and believed Confess him as Lord, and what? Now we're going to be unthankful? Now we're going to be worried about why so-and-so has a new car and I don't? Why they get to go out to eat for lunch and I don't? Why they have this and I don't? What does that show you? It shows you that our mind is on things that are temporal. <laughs> Let's see, let me share something with you. If your mind is on things that are temporal, you will be like the temperature of the room. That's how your joy will be. When things are good, I'm good. When things are bad, I'm bad. 
If your mind's on temporal things, you know what? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And if your mind is on temporal things, your joy will constantly be fluctuating according to the standard you think you should be living by. Not what God thinks, what you think, right? Well, I only got a one-bedroom apartment. I guess the Lord don't like me no more. Oh, now I got a three-bedroom house. Hallelujah, the Lord loves me. Oh, the house burned down. Now I don't have a home. Well, does that mean that God doesn't love you anymore? Hey, let's ask Job about that. So when we put our eyes on temporal things, we are moved by the temperature of the room. But if we put our eyes on things that are eternal, we're like the thermostat. We're set. See, the, the temporal is constantly fluctuating. The thermostat tells the temperature what it's going to be. And the only difference is those that have the mindset of the world and those that have the mindset of the kingdom, eternal or temporal. I'll show you in, in Psalm uh, 100 what we should have our minds on. To be thankful. This is um, cultivating thankfulness. So in Psalm 100, you can go ahead and turn there. But as you're turning, what, listen to this. So there's, the, the reason we're talking about this is because there's two things that the Lord did. He was kind to the evil, to the enemy, and to the unthankful. And you know what? I, I, whenever I read that, I said, Lord forbid that I'm ever unthankful again. I thank you, Jesus, that I'm not an enemy e anymore. Can you say hallelujah to that? God did that part. But you know what? The thankfulness comes from us. We couldn't do anything about being evil enemies of God. God did it. We just surrendered. God brought us through Calvary and, and, and you know, our sins were as scarlet. Now they're white as snow. God did that. But you know what? We've got the thankfulness part. And I, whenever I read that, I just said, Lord, please forbid that I, I ever get unthankful. You did the big part. My part is to stay thankful for what you've done and for who you are. You see, the, the reason I'm telling you this is because if you get thankful for temporal things, temporal things come and go. What if Job's entire, and I'm not going to, you know, deify, but look at Job. What if his thankfulness was built on the things of the world? Oh, thank you, Lord, I got a family. Thank you, Lord, I got a house. What happened when they burned down? What happened when they all, you know, left? What happened then? Because if our eye is on the things that are temporal, we're going to be moved when the temporal's moved. That's the very name of it. Temporal means it's temporary. So we put our eyes on temporary things, we're going to be moved. We're going to think that God doesn't love us anymore because our heart is on the wrong thing. And too many people, too many of us, and I just said, man, I read that verse, thought, Lord, please help us to not be unthankful. You know, I mean, you did so much at Calvary. Can we at least not live a life that is thankful? I always call, uh, you know, thankfulness, thanks living. It's a way of life. 
It's not a day. It's not a mindset. It's a way that you live. It's thanks living. <coughs> so in, in Psalm 100, this is one of my favorite uh, psalms about Thanksgiving. Um, let's, let's just read through it real quick. It's, it's only five verses. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. When was the last time we did that? Oh, man, they're singing another song. Ooh, if, they, if they sing one more song, it's going to be, right? Oh, man, they're still singing a song. How many times are we going to sing this song? They're singing it again, right? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Man, this would, this, this, this would help out a church so much, wouldn't it? Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Now watch this. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Come on now. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Be thankful for what? Be thankful unto him. Not, oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, I got a new house. No. No, be thankful unto him. And he's going to show you in this next verse three things that will never change that you can be thankful for, and you will always find a reason to be thankful if you look at these three things. Why are we thankful unto him? For he's good. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. You can look at these three and I, you, you, you could open up a whole new sermon off of this. <laughs> but you can look at these three things and see three eternal reasons for you to find something to be thankful about no matter if you're Job or everything's going great. These three things will never change no matter how much our temporal circumstances are changing. These three things. Look at this. The Lord's good. Hey, aren't you glad that, because there was a time in your life you were an enemy of God. Can I get a witness? There was a time in your life you were an enemy of God, but God did not leave you there. He's good. Aren't you glad you're still not in the gutter? Aren't you glad you're still not bound in addiction? Aren't you glad you're still not bound by the things that were binding on you? Aren't you glad the chains have been dropped? Aren't you glad that the bondage has been broken off, that the, the stain and the blood of sin has been removed? God moved you from the enemy camp to his family. He's good. And you can just look at that and be, you know what, God, you didn't have to do that, but you did. You didn't have to do that, but you did. You're good. He's good. That's his nature. That's who he is. He, and, and, you can, and you can, you don't even have to personalize. Just think about just a random anybody. They were once an enemy of God, 
but God made provision at Calvary through his own self, through his own blood he bought us. He's good. It's not like if you think, if you've ever heard stories about Greek mythology, you know, you have these gods that are, you know, so-called gods, and they were temporal, they were mad, they were vengeful, right? You do me and I'm going to strike you with a lightning bolt. But God is good and he makes a way for you to get things right with him. God's good. He makes a way for you to get things right. He's good. He's good. And look at this next one. Verse five, his mercy is everlasting. Mercy. He's merciful. He's merciful. You know what's amazing? You can, I just had, we we just read Luke uh, 6, 35. The very next verse says, for the Lord is merciful. Be merciful. God is merciful. His mercy is everlasting. Look, the sin that you had was going to keep you out of heaven. But when you, when the blood of Jesus was applied to it, God remembered it no more. God doesn't call your past up on you if it's under the blood. God doesn't say, oh yeah, remember that thing you did? Uh Uh-huh. We have that saying, it's in the sea of forgetfulness, but God said, as far as the east is from the west, I'll remember it no more. Praise the Lord. The past is gone if it's under the blood. You're not who you once were. You've been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away. Behold, all things are made new. It's mercy. It's his mercy that he doesn't hold your past against you. It's his mercy that he doesn't hold it against you. But in his eyes, you're a new creature. You, the old things are gone. Well, I, 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 I could never serve because you know what I did in my past? No, no, no. That's a worldly mindset. If you're born again, child of God, You've got a new slate. You've got a new future. You've got a new name. You've got a new nature. You've got a new life. Old things passed away. All things new. New creation in Christ Jesus. His mercy. It's everlasting. God's not going to say, all right, I gave you 10 years. Now I'm going to call those sins back on you. As far as the east is from the west, he remembers them. Listen, no more. Amen. Aren't you glad he's merciful? You know, mercy is amazing. Mercy means that God had the right to take it out of your hide. God had the right to take it out of us. God had the right to throw us all in hell. The first lie we told, the first ball you stole in preschool, that's an amazing thing. You want to know some theology. You don't think about this. You don't have to teach a child how to lie. It's sin nature's birthed in them. It's Adam's nature. You don't have to teach a kid how to lie. You don't have to teach a kid how to steal a ball. I heard a preacher say, you know, you, you want to see 
some theology in, you know, you want to see it? Get a shiny ball in a room with two-year-olds. One shiny ball, four two-year-olds. Watch what happens. Adam's nature rising up. Somebody going to take it from somebody else. Then they're going to lie. I didn't do it. You see it all. It's the sin nature. So look, aren't we glad that God was merciful? Because he had every right to take it out of our hide. But God's merciful. God is merciful. And look at the, this one. It's truth. His truth endures to all generations. See, we could get on that. The truth. Who's the truth? Jesus. His truth endures. His truth never changes. His truth makes us free. His truth, it gives us somewhere to walk. It gives us light in the midnight hour. His truth is something that we can stand on, run to. His truth is who he is. He is the word of God made flesh. His truth endures. It never changes. He never says, all right, I'm changing it now. He never changes his truth. He is the truth. And so we have these things we can thank God for even when our current temporal situation changes. You know what's amazing? The, the, more, the more you look at those temporal things, the more you're going to act like the temperature of the air. Oh, I don't have, I'm cold, right? You, oh, God must not love me. I only have a five-bedroom house. They got a six-bedroom house. Come on, we not on TBN. Come on, get out of that mindset. God loves you. Look, he's good. He's good. He's merciful, and he is the truth. And you can look to God on those issues, and they will never change. Whether you're, uh, whether you're uh, Joseph in the prison or Joseph with Pharaoh, those, those three things never change. God was good when Joseph was in the prison. God was good when Daniel was in the den of lions. God was good when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was in the fiery furnace. God was good when Jonah was in the belly of the whale. God was good on your worst day. And God's good on your best day. God was merciful on your worst day, and he's merciful today. God was true then, and he's true now. He's good, he's merciful, and he's true. Amen. And if you look at those things, if you look at the verse in front of us, it said, it's, it, verse 4, it said, be thankful unto him, right? Be thankful unto him. And then these three reasons show you. You know, because sometimes we say, well, what do I have to be thankful about? Look how my life is going. Well, stop looking at the temporal. Look to he who is eternal, and you'll find something to be thankful about. Amen? Father, we bless you tonight. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy, and we thank you for your truth.